Indigenous Rights Radio, because knowledge is power. Children in indigenous families and communities were cared for according to their cultural practices, laws, and traditions. It was the parents' responsibility to raise the spirit of their children, since children were seen as gifts from the Creator. Extended families of the children were closely involved in raising the child. As a result of colonial practices such as the Indian Act and the establishment of residential schools, traditional child-rearing practices were disrupted. In this podcast, we are from 20-year-old Dyson Spence, who has spent a significant time of his life in the welfare system of Canada. Okay, um, my name is Dyson Spence. I'm from Peguis First Nation, Manitoba, Canada. And um, I'm basically... I've been, I'm 20 years old. So basically, I grew up um, in a family of probably five. My mom, my stepdad, and my three brothers. And we grew up on Pegasus First Nation. And it was a pretty good childhood. Just dealing with the traumas because we lost, my mom lost her brother. My uncle, Steve Heinex, he was murdered in 2002 when I was born. So that really took a toll on our family, losing him. And my grandparents, Steve and Jolene, were very involved as well with us and they helped us. So that had a really toll on our family. So, but growing up, we were pretty good. Like, um, like we had a lot of memories. My mom looked after us well. Uh, my dad too, my stepdad Vince, he was really good to us as well. Like he always woke us up every morning for school, made sure we had lunches for school, made sure we we're at school. He was really supportive in terms of education and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so she always made sure we had supper and food. <clears throat> it was just stressful dealing with the child welfare system because it was always a threat to us. Like like always being feared of taking away just for nothing you know like that's how quick it was for us to be taken away because first like it first got taken away was in 2009 and that's when it all started but life before that was really peaceful and it was like nice being living with my family you know and it was like peaceful oh uh, they took us they took us to the CFS office first, and then they placed us with their grandparents. My mom's parents, Steve and Geraldine, for about six months at time. And then during that six months, they took away my little brother, Kaiden. He's like probably like five to six years younger than me. He's the youngest brother. They took him to a, a different family, like some like non-Indigenous family out of, out of the reservation. They took him away, so he was tra- like he he's tra- he has traumatized from being taken away to a different family, taken away from his brothers and his mom, and like his like you know like his world basically. Like when he came back, his eyes were like so like dark around them, like like they're all dark, and he was really like stressed out. Like he was only like um, I think he was like seven years old, I think. So yeah, like it was really stressful for him. And then 
the three of us, my three brothers, were at my grandparents. We were we were placed there. And then after that six months, we they finally let us go home to my mom. And then and then through they just kept taking us back and forth until about 2016 is when we moved to Win- we had to move to Winnipeg because of flooding in Pegasus. There was a big flood in Pegasus. <laughs> and during in the city, like we were we were doing really good. Like my mom, like we were in school and everything. We were on the news too for uh, arm wrestling championships. My mom was on there. She was on CTV News for Sports Family of the Week, and like we were doing like really extracurricular activities every day usually. And then, and then start of 2016, and that's when um, CFS came around again. Like they had our file open, and then, um, we, and then the September when the school year started, uh, we couldn't go to school just yet because um, we were supposed to go to this school, but then we registered, and then we found out that wasn't a good school for us because there was bad influences there. So my mom had to move back to the south end of Winnipeg. And during that time, we had to enroll in school, and then, uh, and then CFS they took us away. They took us away permanently, and then I was in the Manitoba Youth Center, which is a youth jail facility for young offenders. And during that time, they I was locked up in MYC during that time, so they took away my brothers, and then they. They they called me when I was in jail and they said yeah we take we took these away and they put a no contact order on my mom like we weren't allowed to talk for like a really long time because they said we weren't allowed to I don't know why they did that but they did that and that's how it was and then I was locked up from 2016 all the way to March 2018 and <clears throat> that's when uh, that whole time when I was in jail. CFS was fighting to get us permanent wards of CFS where we were in we're like we were wards of the CFS. We're like we're permanent until we're age 18. And then that was in 2017. We went to family court and then that CFS worker said he's like sign, he's like, or not the CFS worker, it was the lawyer for CFS. And he came to me and he explained to me, I was only 13 years old at the time, and he explained to me, he's like, Yeah, he said he says if you sign this he says cfs will help you they'll help you a lot when you get out of custody too they will help you with your clothing and everything you need and there won't be any problems or anything and i said are you sure he's like oh he's like yes they will help you so i decided like i thought like they were gonna help me and then when the time came to when i got released cfs was only there they only gave me a hundred dollar gift card that was for christmas presents every year we get they said here's your money for your clothing and then they gave me a 200 dollar grocery peel like uh like to get groceries and that's all they gave me they didn't help me with anything else like it was really stressful for me and like i was only 14 years old when i got released and i was getting released to um like on the streets of winnipeg i was still a ward of cfs so i was in and out of different placements and they just basically released me like that and then cfs wasn't like they wouldn't even help me with driving me around to like my appointments they said i had to take the bus and taking the bus in winnipeg sometimes is dangerous for kids you know like things happen to them you know like so they that was put out a lot of risk especially being institutionalized for about 18 months in in the youth center 
and then that's a whole different story of being locked up away in there too like there was no support as well from cfs and they had me on a no contact order with my mom the whole time as well they weren't they said i wasn't allowed to talk to my mom so then i had like no family support only my grandparents my and steve were like really there for me when i was in custody they would be helping me with hygiene and canteen money and cfs said they they said no they said you're on your own because you're in the youth center so the youth center looks after you that's what they said so just no matter what you go through in terms of like going through child welfare system going through the youth jail system and just being oppressed as like an indigenous youth you know like it's there's always going to be that light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to overcome what the barriers are. Like, you know, like of being in the child welfare system, you're faced with a lot of barriers like uh, addictions, you know, like uh, even gangs and, like, you know, all of that, like the negative aspects of the system, you know, you it's, you know, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. You just, you just have to find faith in uh, spirituality or whatever you believe in and just have faith and always know that there's always going to be the higher power that's going to be able to protect you throughout this throughout these traumatic times if people are going through that are are they faced through these systems that are designed to like you know like they're designed that's what i believe is they're designed to assimilate us basically because it just it's wouldn't be a it wouldn't it's it shouldn't be called a a like a system to help help people if it's making pe people like me go through the things that I went through it shouldn't be like that so there's always going to be a light at the end of the tunnel you just have to believe and you just have to be strong through it and pray as well for more on the rights of indigenous peoples visit cs.org and follow cultural survival on facebook and twitter